and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. I'm Grace Berman, a Senior Director with DaVita University. And I'm Doug Miller, a Master Coach and DaVita University faculty member. Today, we get to chat about leading through influence with Eduardo Zanata, Vice President of Home Operations on the Home National Team. Welcome, Eduardo. Thank you. Thanks, Grace and Doug, for having me. So great that you're here, Eduardo, and we're excited to discuss this topic with you today, as it has been a listener-requested topic multiple times. And when I thought about leaders who have had a lot of experience in leading through influence, I immediately thought of you, Eduardo, and all of the complexity that you need to manage through and what you're up to and all of the successes you had. Um, So I thought it would be great that our listeners would benefit from hearing some of your stories and tips. So let's get right into it. How do you define the concept of leading through influence? Well, Doug, first of all, thanks uh, again for having me and thanks for uh, the kind words. And that is a great question, one that I've thought quite a bit about in the past. I think a couple of things come to mind. One, what leadership through influence isn't. And, you know, it's not leading with direct authority. As I think back on my own experiences, It's a little easier to get people to do what you want them to do when you're their boss. Your agenda becomes their agenda. Uh, It's easier to influence where they deploy their energy, their time, their resources. So that is not what leadership through influence is uh, for me personally. Um, And then I think of what it is. And I think it is leading without direct authority. So how do we get to mobilize people to move in a certain direction, to join a certain cause, to deploy their energy, resources, and time towards a mission and an effort uh, when we're not their direct boss. And it has a lot to do with them catching a vision and wanting to do it rather than the prescription and direction coming top down. So that to me is leadership through influence. I like how you frame that, what it is and what it is. And I think that's helpful for people as they think through these types of concepts. And for our listeners who are not as familiar with the role that you play in the village, I think it would be helpful for them to hear just a little bit about how your work at DaVita has enabled you to build that muscle of leading through influence. Yes. uh, So I joined the village five and a half years ago now as a, a Redwoods out of grad school. And in my first couple of months, I learned about something called home dialysis. I didn't know too much about dialysis before joining. And that really struck me when I learned about the benefits for the patient, for the payer, for the provider. There was a really strong human case and a really strong business case, and it really pulled me in. So I raised my hand and asked to do something in the home space. So I became an FA in in a home program having direct supervision of several teammates and then became a home program manager for a region and then a home group lead for a dream team. And now I'm part of the home national team. So back then as a home group lead and home program manager, I had lots of clinics, rods, DVPs, uh, teammates that I was trying to influence operationally, clinically, trying to influence their decision. And none of them reported to me. I had no direct line structure. Most of our leaders that were on the home side were dotted line to me. So no full PL ownership, no direct line. So, you know, the, the question for me was, hey, how do I get these people to do what I need them to do? So that's been the journey and it's been a learning curve. And I've picked up some good lessons along the way, stumbled in a few places and, you know, had some 
successful experiences also. So to this day, home is a small piece of the portfolio. About 15% of our patients are home. So as you may realize, uh, you know, it's really easy to focus on 85% of your portfolio. So how do you get uh, home to take precedence, especially when on the in-center side, things are really urgent on the home side, less so. So again, it's been um, a great journey and quite a few lessons along the way. What a great path, Eduardo. And, you know, through your experience, have you found that there are some key lessons learned and best strategies to use to lead through influence? I think so, Doug. You know, a couple that come to mind. One is a lesson I learned from a leader. He said, hey, you have dotted line teammates, but you have a big mission to accomplish. Treat people as if they reported to you. So as a home group lead, I had home division leads for the divisions and then home program managers. We call them regional home managers now. And none of them reported to me. They reported through their rods and DVPs, but I did treat them as if they reported to me with the same level of care, intensity, accountability. As a regional home manager, none of the nurses reported to me and I treat them as if they did. So I think that was a big lesson of whether they're, they formally report to you or not, treat them as if they did. And, and that comes you know, with a greater focus on service and solving problems with them and for them than you know, necessarily having authority to direct them. And then I think another one is uh, managing through dashboards. I remember coming to our Palmer a couple years ago and saying, hey, you know, I'm really struggling to get people to focus on home. Rods and DVPs are incredibly busy. They have, you know, multiple responsibilities. Their portfolio large is large. Home is a relatively small portion. How do I get them to engage? And he said, you know, you, you do a pretty good job with dashboards. So use them effectively and put the teammates, the leaders' names on the dashboards because nobody wants to be towards the bottom. You know, if you publish them that frequently, you will get attention. And then what, what started happening is leaders started contacting other leaders and saying, hey, I noticed you're doing really well in this area. What are you doing that's working? And there was that, you know, extra motivation to perform uh, based on those published dashboards. I like how you um, talked about that in terms of they can reach out to the people. If you're towards the bottom of the list, you know who to reach out to, who's doing really well and learning from them. I think that's a really great way to think about it. Uh, what came to mind for me when you were talking about this was it's typically a trick that we use in the training side of the house, learning and development, when we're trying to get people to complete training or if you're on the HR, you know, human resources, people services in our lane, trying to get people to complete like an engagement survey. <laughs> that's a, a great way to manage by dashboards is put people on a list Nobody wants to be on the bottom of the list, so they quickly complete whatever it is they need to complete to get off of it. But I like the way you put it better in terms of here's who you can go to to learn how to do it well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Grace, I agree. And, and dashboards work. So I am totally, utterly convinced. And then another one that comes to mind as I'm reflecting here is if you want to influence someone, you got to know what already influences them. Um, and I think that's been an, another big lesson for me, uh, which I, I, I think it's exemplified by the famous hearts and minds framework in the village. You know, figure out what they care about, what resonates with them, what's important to them, build the relationship. You know, if the teammate really cares about, you know, the heart side of things, tell stories, tell patient stories, emphasize the importance of the modality 
patient choice, lifestyle, health benefits, bring people into the vision. I think storytelling has been huge for my home journey. You know, almost like a singer, right? A singer, they find one song that works and they keep playing it again and again and again because it resonates with people. And then some people are more mind-oriented, right? And you need to show numbers and uh, more of a logical case. Again, rods and DVPs, they're at the heart of what drives the day-to-day operations in the village. And uh, they're busy. They have multiple variables on their uh, dashboards. And if you can show them, hey, by pulling this lever of home, it will really influence most of the other levers and make your performance uh, improve and make your jobs easier and make your career better, then, you know, they're likely to engage. So I think it's meeting them where they are and using both hearts and minds in the process. Yeah, I, I love, Eduardo, how you're articulating this focus on finding out what they care about and building that relationship. I'm, I'm pretty blown away that it seems like every single guest we have come on at some point talks about the importance of relationship and that building that personal connection and getting to know each other as human beings. So it seems like a, a through line that cuts across a lot of different elements. So it's a good one. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and I've realized this more in the village than any anywhere else that we're really here as human beings having a business experience, not as business people having a human experience, right? And connecting at that fundamental level um, is is so critical for influence. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. That sounds like it might be a whole nother podcast, Eduardo. That that's that's a very <laughs> awesome quote. Yeah. <laughs> That's an that's the first time I've ever heard that. I've heard like the other variation about spiritual and human and I like that business and human. I like I like the interplay there. Yeah, and building on that, um I mentioned this briefly, maybe this is a fourth and last lesson, storytelling and influencing through both storytelling and through champions. So, as a home group leading dream team, again, I had these incredible DVPs that I had to influence and rods and I didn't have direct ownership or, or direct supervision. And, you know, how do I influence them? So I think storytelling through others was a great lever to pull. When a rod did something great and they really dedicated time and energy and resources to home and they had results, I would call them and say, hey, can you share this story with your rod peers and your FAs? And if the story was a divisional story, I would call the DVP and ask the same question. And their level of influence with their peers and their direct reports was, you know, significantly stronger than mine. Um, I know she will be okay with me mentioning this, but Vanessa Pfeiffer was my supervisor, and she was also a DVP that had incredible credibility with the core team and dream team. So, you know, often when I would send out an email that I really needed people to pay attention to and respond to, I would text Vanessa and say, hey, can you send a one-two punch reply all message? She would send it and it would carry a lot more weight. So I think influencing through others, influencing through champions, and then having those champions tell their own success stories can also take us a long way. That sounds great, Eduardo. So I want to kind of recap this for our listeners because those tips are so helpful and easy, I think, for us to remember. So one, I heard treat people like they report to you, even if they don't, with the same care and accountability uh, two, manage by dashboards. Three, build trust and get to know 
people and what they care about. And then and then finally, really, you know, lean into that art of storytelling and influencing through champions. So love those love those tips. And I hope people can uh, connect to at least one or more of those in the work that they're doing. But just to pivot us a little bit now, Eduardo, tell us about a time that did not go so well, maybe where you did not lead through influence a time before you got better at it. Yeah, good question, Grace. Um, I think of a particular rod and region um, when I was in Dream Team as a home group lead. Um, I had very little relationship with this rod, hadn't really spent time in his market working directly with him and his teammates. I called him one day and said, hey, I really need you to grow home in your region. How can I help you? And, and you know, these are the things that we know works. Can you execute them? And, you know, he very quickly said, hey, I've got a lot going on. I have a very complex region, which he did with a very large census. And he said, you know, I have other focus areas that are more urgent and more important in my region right now. So I left that call and realized, hey, this is going to translate to nothing. It's not going to go anywhere. And, you know, learned an important lesson that I needed to first gain trust and started navigating more carefully and spending more time in his region. So I actually went to his region, got to know his FAs, uh, spent time in his home programs, began to understand what the challenges were, rolled up my sleeves and tried to solve problems for him and with him and shoulder to shoulder with his team. And very quickly, trust began to be built. Um, and, you know, at fast forward, and it wasn't overnight. I think that's something important to emphasize that, you know, efficiency works really well with things, but not with people. Um, and it takes time and, you know, it requires investment. But over the course of 18 to 24 months, I saw an incredible transformation where that rod actually became a speaker on the home topic for us in Dream Team. He hired a former patient to be a modality educator, which was a position that wasn't even funded by his budget. Um, he hired fully dedicated home leaders. He made home a prominent message in, in his meetings and his agendas um, and, you know, and began to perform in a way that that region hadn't before. So that was a big lesson for me of, a, of, a, of the wrong approach that I started with and, and making that pivot to uh, yield results. That's a powerful uh, story, Eduardo, of of recovery there. And wondering if you have uh, another time that you'd be willing to share with us. It might be personal or or it might be professional. When you led through influence and things went really well um, and you didn't have positional authority, but you tactfully and effectively influenced decisions and, and led there. Yeah, I, I think the primary one that comes to mind was um, as a new home group leading dream team, I was still, you know, a newbie, pretty green um, and was given, you know, the group to influence. It's a large geography, again, no, no direct authority, um, trying to impact things at scale, many conflicting priorities across, you know, different schedules and people's calendars. So what do I do? And, you know, my initial approach with the DVPs was to say, hey, this is what we need to do. And, you know, and I could tell that it wasn't going to get me very far. So very quickly this time, you know, a lot sooner, a lot faster, I pivoted and asked them if I could come meet with them and their core teams. I brought my boss with me, Vanessa, and, you know, again, used that champion as an influencer and we had, you know, prior great success in her region with home. So 
we had something directly related to what you know the other regions wanted to do and really ask myself hey what's in it for them how do we frame this in a way that's beneficial for them and it really worked so you know it was a co-creation process rather than hey here's the playbook apply it is hey here's some things we've seen work and you know some ideas for you what do you think let's you know create this together um, and we had five divisions in the group and a year or so later, those divisions, four of those five divisions were number one, two, three, and four for home growth in the village with the fifth one in the top 10. So I think it worked. And, you know, what did, what did we do? We used the things that I mentioned earlier, right? Weekly dashboards, lots of patient stories, connecting with them personally, building that trust, showing that, you know, we can create value and actually solve problems with them. And then being loud, uh, maybe that's something I haven't mentioned earlier, but one big lesson for me, you know, because I would uh, send out emails on a regular basis with these messages and reminders or dashboards. And once in a while, I would offend one or two people and they would say, hey, I don't want your emails anymore. And, you know, and that was a big lesson for me is if you're not offending one or two people, you're probably not influencing hard enough or being loud enough. And, you know, that became uh, somewhat of an informal metric for me going forward. Wow. Yeah, I I enjoy hearing that only because I love email and I I really want other people to love email as much as I love email. And so I I try to communicate a lot in that way too just just so I can get the message across and I think that's a good point, right? And I I get what you're saying when you say like if you're not offending one or two people, if you're not getting their attention, like if you're not getting their attention and they're saying, "Hey, uh what's going on with this?" then perhaps you're you're not you're not pushing hard enough because if they if they are able to ignore the message then it's never going to get across and you're never going to get to that level of influence so we got to be brave we got to be courageous and we have to be willing to um, maybe get people's attention in a way where maybe yeah it might be a little bit non-traditional and you have to get them at least to notice and then you can go in with the why so with that, I, I love um, all of your tips, Eduardo. I think you gave us a lot to think about. And we end all of our episodes in the same way. What's one practical, tactical tip, if you had to choose just one, that you would challenge our listeners to try out right away uh, so that they can lead through influence? Okay, just one, huh? Um, I would probably say share success stories through champions. And the reason I'm picking this one is um, the one-two punch. Hopefully, that's something people will remember. But influencing through champions doubles your influence. You're getting them to share, find a role model, an advocate for whatever it is that you're trying to influence others to do and ask if they can share their story. Oftentimes, people don't realize that their story can have an impact or that by sharing, they're going to create a lot of positive impact uh, broadly across the region, division, or group or across the village even, uh, and sometimes just reminding them and helping them craft that message and you know, encouraging them to share can go a really long way. So that's my one tip, the one-two punch, sharing success stories through champions. Excellent, Eduardo. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us today and uh, really appreciate it and appreciate your leadership here in the village. Thank you. Well, that was a really helpful discussion with Eduardo. I loved his tip at the end uh, to share success stories through champions so you double the influence, what he calls the one-two punch. Completely agree, Grace, completely. 
And um, for all of you listening, we really do want to hear your stories and tips as well. So please check out our show notes and click on that listener mail link to find out more about submitting your stories and tips in writing or through a voice message. And if you have not subscribed to this podcast, what are you waiting for? Go click on that and subscribe. Click on that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you enjoy these podcasts, please rate us on iTunes or click on the survey link in our show notes so we know how we're doing. One for all. And all for one.